0: Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys Podcast, powered by Glovebox. God, I love Glovebox. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for iProtect Insurance and Financial Services, based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome. He is a six foot three sophomore from Mobile, Alabama, parade first team All American, rivals five star recruit is a fantastic insurance agent and my friends, ladies and gentlemen please stand and welcome the incomparable mr bradley flowers how are you bradley
1: great scott how are you today
0: best i have ever been bradley i've got two things i need to do today okay never been done before in the history of this podcast 231 episodes and i have never asked one person for one thing ever I hate asking people for anything. I will die before I ask people for anything. But today I'm going to ask for two things. Today's the day. Today's the big ask. Two hundred took two hundred thirty-one episodes, but I'm going to ask. First thing I want to ask our listeners to do. Again, I don't have any books. I don't have any courses. I don't ask nobody for no damn money. Hell, with our sponsors, I tell everybody just about every week. Just try it. If you don't like it, you don't have to. You don't have to do it. Just see if it works for your agency. But today I'm going to do two asks. Here's the asks. The first ask, go get a damn ticket to the One City World Tour in Austin, Texas. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to hang out with you. Bradley's going to hang out with you. I've still got people on the list right now of, that came to the One City World Tour that I didn't get to hang out with enough
1: last year, Bradley. Mm-hmm. And, you know what I'm saying? And what, what's going on, too? We're only We're only doing this on the podcast. We're not not posting this anywhere yet. The official tickets have not went on sale yet. We're not posting this anywhere. This this is only for people listening to the podcast. The pre-sale was accidentally left open. So you can (laughs) still get the early bird, pre, pre, whatever sale tickets. It's in the show notes. It's going to be great. Austin, Texas, January 18th, 19th. Putting together a jam-up event for you guys. It's something that will be talked about for years and years and years, including. a presentation from our podcast guest today.
0: Boom. He just he just dropped an elephant out of his back pocket on that one.
1: It's in the show notes, guys. If you don't know yeah. where the show notes is, just reach out to us. Yeah. Or the show notes. Are.
0: Come join us, spend time with us, break bread with us, pull me aside. Let's talk. I want to learn about you, your family, where you're from. I say it every single week. There's the I, I I do a lot of things wrong, but there is one thing that I do well, and that is I have zero sense of entitlement. Mm-hmm. I am just like every single one of you. And there is one thing that if you ask, if you put a gun to my head and you said, Scott, what what are your th- favorite things about the insurance industry? I love the people. I love podcasting. And I love meeting new people. And I love getting to know people. Mm-hmm. Those are, pro- you know, in order. That's probably about the, the three things that I love the most about the insurance industry. I I do love the people in the industry.
1: Truly. And literally, guys, this is like the last chance to get the tickets at this price. They're going yep. up. It's not public. It's only for podcast listeners. Yep. Uh, if if you go, they're two ninety nine right now. If you go, and you do not get two hundred ninety nine dollars worth of value, please call me, and we'll work it out.
0: So, Bradley, I got something on my heart today I need to get off my heart.
1: Okay. Again, this is my second ask
0: of the day, and I've never asked our listeners to do anything ever besides go try some of our sponsor stuff and see if you like it. So I had to work last night at the office till 9 o'clock. Excuse me, 8.30. I left the office at exactly 8.30. And the reason I know that is all of my family is gone. My wife's gone to the beach. My son's with his mom. And I was driving home on South Parkway last night. And the reason I know I left the office at 8.30 is I called a Chinese restaurant to get some orange peel chicken at 8.30. And when I called him, I said, what time do you close? And he said, nine o'clock. And I thought, "Woo, I'll get there probably around 8.45, 8.50. So that gives me about 10 minutes and hope to God I don't get something happen between there and there. But I was driving home last night and I got to thinking about something that I need to get off my heart today. I've been in the insurance industry for 15 years as a principal agent and associate agent like all of you out there. And I had something happen last Thursday that has never happened to me in the history of me being in insurance. I've seen it all, done it all, been through it all. Last Thursday, guys, I had a client, and these are hard working, good people. These are not shitheads. I know a lot of shitheads. These are not shitheads. And they had a wreck in Athens, Alabama. Now, let, let me tell you what happened. I've never, I've never had this happen, not in the history of my insurance career. Some of you have. I know people that have had something like this happen. The dad's dead. The wife is on a ventilator at Huntsville Hospital. The daughter is paralyzed from the neck down. Now, I've had some bad wrecks, and I've had people die in single vehicle accidents. I've had single people, like one person die, but I've never had a daddy die, a mother on a ventilator, don't know if she's going to live, daughter paralyzed from the neck down. So here's what I'm going to ask y'all to do. I'm going to have Johnny in the show notes. They've got a GoFundMe account. They've got a GoFundMe. I donated a hundred dollars to it last time. And I'm going to ask everybody that listens to this podcast, if you've got the money to donate a dollar, $5, $10, please. These are hardworking, good folks that are going through something that I can't even freaking fathom right now. Like I can't, it's hard to wrap my head around that. I've only heard of something like this happening a couple of times and it's never happened in my agency. But if you could go donate a dollar, $5, hell, and if you can't afford it, if it's between that and your power bill, I completely understand. But if I have ever given you any value on this podcast, and I'm not asking you to go donate $6,000, I'm just saying, you know, something to these people, because I'm telling you, I ain't never seen anything like that before, ever. Not in my agency, not in 14, 15 years, I've never seen it before. I would really appreciate that, and that's all I'm going to say about that. So, the Johnny, I'm going to put the go, have him put the GoFundMe up on the – show notes and y'all would mean a lot to me if you did and if you can I completely understand but I, I just uh I just never never seen anything like that before so all right with all that being said we've said a lot already but I want to bring on somebody today that's going to help all of us now guys let me tell you this before I introduce her she's been on this podcast before I have my notebook sitting here and I am going to be feverishly taking notes today because what we're going to be talking about is going to help everybody on this podcast today. And if you have a friend of yours in the insurance industry that doesn't listen to this podcast, you need to tell them about this particular episode because it will help them tremendously. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you one of the things we're going to talk about today. And you need to go get your notebook and a pen out and you need to write this shit down. What percentage of revenue in your agency should you be spending on X, Y, and Z? I'm going to let let's just stop right there and let that marinate for a second, because everybody that's listening to this is probably like, holy shit, I need to write that down. So our and mission gets on
1: this brought up a lot,
0: it gets brought up a ton and she can help you with that. So here we go. I'm with, I'm, without further ado, I want to give her the introduction that she's always deserved. Ladies and gentlemen, she is from originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and she currently resides in Hilton Head, South Carolina. She's been married for 29 years to the ruggedly handsome Kevin, and they have two beautiful babies, Morgan and Lindsay. and I know they're proud of their mama. She is a graduate of West Virginia University with a degree in finance and business administration, and insurance is actually her second career. In the past, she's been the CFO, COO, and chief innovation officer for the Ohio Insurance Agents Association. She's been the CEO of IntelliAgents, and she currently is the founder, CEO, and president of Agency Focus. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my profound honor today to introduce to you second-time guest on the IGP and my friend, ladies and gentlemen, please stand and welcome Miss Carrie Wallace. How are you, Carrie?
2: I'm doing well, Scott. I got to tell you, that never gets old. You know, like <laughs> nobody introduces someone like Scott Al. It's just a fact, right? Well,
1: thank you. I, appreciate I think you it. should do Cameo. I, I, think, I think what you should do, Scott, is you should go on Twitter for like a week. So block off a week. This is all you're going to do for eight hours a day. And you're going to find interesting people on Twitter. You're going to retweet them and do an intro like that. And from there, you're gonna become famous. And then you can transition that in, and you can do it on TikTok too. You could do the stitches. Yeah. Or the their stitches. What's the other thing on TikTok? Anyway, you know, you guys know what I'm talking about, where it's side by side. Yeah. Yeah. And you transition that into cameo where you charge $50 to do one of the like you know the guy, the listen, did you know that guy? You know, he lives like two hours from me. He's like making a killing on Cameo right now where people are getting him to go like, listen, did you know that portal insurance is the the, like that sort of thing? And you'll make $2 million from that and you can give your agency to me and retire. Absolutely, um, Carrie can do the valuation. There
2: she it goes. is. We could make this happen, guys. I'm but gonna go I put agree. that out I mean, in the
1: universe good. when everybody else is like, "Oh, that's the best idea ever." So anyway,
0: hey Bradley, I have never told you this before, and then we'll get to we well, we're, we're gonna get to the getting here in just a second. But when I was down in Orlando for the AC conference, mm-hmm. this girl runs up to me, literally running. She runs up to me and she goes, "Are you Scott Howell?" I said, "Yes, ma'am, I am." And she said, uh, "I hate you." I love you on Twitter, mm. and I said, I said, well, there's one problem with that. And she said, What's that? And I said, I don't, I don't put anything out on Twitter except on Saturdays and Sundays. And she goes, Yeah, but when you do, it's fire.
1: <laughs> remember that time we were at that conference and that lady walked up to you right before you were going to speak, and she said, I just really hate you.
0: Yeah, I do remember that.
1: Yeah, she said, I hate your guts.
2: What? yeah he clearly doesn't know you i don't know i I appreciate
0: appreciate your honesty
1: and then at that moment they're literally like ladies and gentlemen scott howell
0: (laughs) i forgot all about that i i I had blocked that out of my mind oh my goodness carrie wallace carrie wallace let's get to the getting today how you been doing tell me about you
2: i'm doing really well scott i gotta tell you uh Business is really booming. There are a lot of people who are looking to buy and sell. And uh, we are in an incredible industry. So I am doing fantastic.
1: You've been on the Carrie Wallace World Tour recently. Every time I look up, I just hit Delta Silver, which I'm outrageously excited about because I'm competitive. Carrie's probably like Delta Onyx or something. Like there's no telling <laughs> how many frequent flyer points she has.
0: She's like Kelly, uh, and I, I always get her name wrong, Kelly Donahue. Yeah. Donahue Piro, yeah, yeah. We yeah, sometimes I, uh, compare where we are and what we're doing. You guys just, pass yeah. each
1: other in the airport like, <laughs> hey, hey. It's just like seeing somebody at the office, you know.
0: <laughs> Kelly Donahue books a flight,
1: ladies and gentlemen.
0: They ain't no nothing but first class because she flies 322 days a year. But things are going really well, Scott. I will tell you, I get to
2: work with an incredible uh, group of people scattered all across the country, and uh, I'm absolutely loving what I do. No doubt about that.
0: I saw in a industry publication last week where mergers and acquisitions for the year of our Lord 2022 were up 16% from
2: 2021. Yeah, and 31% for the last two years. And wow. honestly, it, there is no slowdown in sight. I mean, independent insurance agencies are predictable, they're profitable, and there are so many people looking to grow by acquisition.
1: What so, do you think the reason for that is? Because I was about to when, ask when, that. when COVID hit, I, I told a couple people, I know I told my wife this, I said, I need to get ready to buy some agencies because there's going to be a lot of people that say, screw this. I'm not dealing with, with this. But I don't think it really happened. And my theory is because the housing market was so good during COVID, our industry, in my opinion, kind of follows the housing market. Even mm-hmm. if you only do commercial, it still kind of mirrors that. And now that the housing market's slowing down, I think business is slowing down and that sort of thing. And people going back in the workforce, great recession. So so why do you think now? is? Am I spot on with that? Or what? what's some of the reasons that this is happening?
2: Here's how I would describe it. I think COVID accelerated what was already happening. So there was a divide between those that are going to acquire and those that are going to be acquired. So COVID for many people who were hanging on and maybe they don't want to innovate and they don't want to take on the technology that you need to in order to set up your agency for growth. Those people might've decided, you know what, this is my sign. It is now time for me to consider to exit. I think the great resignation has really rocked some people to their core. Um, Honestly, in the last month and a half, I've had about um, seven agencies reach out to me and say, "I I think I'm ready to sell. And the reason I'm ready to sell is we've never dealt with a retention problem in our agency. We just never have. And some very unexpected retention issues are causing agency owners to think, okay, this might be the straw that breaks the camel's back. So again, if you haven't prepared and you haven't created um, the ability to scale and grow, you might be thinking this could be the top. And maybe it's time for me to transition with interest rates rising, a problem with staffing, and some some uncertainty around the insurance marketplace, depending where you are in this country. So there's a lot of factors at play. Those that are um, you know, prepared to scale by acquisition are literally, I think that's the best time in our history to be an ind- independent insurance agency because you are absolutely poised to be there and be the solution for some of these agency owners that are ready to exit.
0: I agree. Hey, Carrie, I got a question for you, relative. It's a kind of hand in glove question with what Bradley just asked you. Yep. How do you feel like? The next year or two, 12 to 18 months with interest rates continuing to rise, how will that affect the merger and acquisition piece for the independent agency channel with whether it's private equity money or, or or agents like us acquiring other agencies? How will that affect that?
2: Yeah, and I think nobody knows the answer to this question, but I'm going to give you what my impression is of what I believe will happen. Sure. So I get to look at a lot of agencies And there are a fair number of agencies that have very strong balance sheets who are ready and willing and able to acquire. So rising interest rates will impact those that don't have really strong balance sheets and can finance this because it's more expensive to actually uh, be able to pay what agencies are worth. But all of us know on this call. There are so many more buyers than sellers at this moment. I actually think our industry will weather this storm and there will be even more demand on the other side of this for those that were able to acquire. I mean, again, if if you're going to invest in something today, invest in your agency because it is an incredible investment. So the supply and demand is going to transition over this time and those that stay and grow and acquire are going to be sought after because PE needs to feed that model in order to continue to do what they're poised to do. So I believe it's going to remain strong. I truly do. Not all buyers today will be able to buy the same way, but again, there's so many buyers that are ready for this that I think it's going to remain incredibly strong.
1: So I've looked at a lot of agencies, not nearly as many as you have in the last year or two, Uh, And a lot of them you and I have talked about that they just don't have their crap together. Yes. And that's me saying that, not you. Um, I don't want to put you in a position. But that you know, we're we're reconciling commissions on a on a spreadsheet. We don't we're not downloading a hundred percent. We you know, I had one guy (laughs) this one person won and I didn't sign an NDA, so it's okay. One person won, it's got like four X and even the folks that post in these groups and they're like hey i want 7x i still talk to them because i'm like they know they're not going to get that so right. th- they're just trying to weed out all the non-serious buyers and actually
0: they're like the person on facebook that puts something on there for double what it's what it's really worth knowing they're going to sell it for half of that
1: dude i put three whiteboards on facebook while i was on vacation kenneth at my office was like hey somebody just came by here and, and pay for these whiteboards in full anyway i would have given them away for free just to get somebody to haul them off but uh but anyway, yeah. And and so this one person wanted like four X. And I'm like, okay, I need I need this, I need this, I need PL, I need balance sheet. And he's like, Yeah, I don't have any of that.
0: <laughs> yeah, what's that? And
1: I'm like, well, dude, like you're gonna it's one X is what you know what I'm saying? Like, so like, do you think that part of the reason there's no supply is because a lot of these folks either a know they don't really have their stuff together to sell or B they're trying to, and they just keep getting turned down or what have you. So they're not, do you think that's contributing to the supply? Because we had a commission issue in our agency three or four months ago or a month ago, probably one of the most difficult things I've dealt with because something we were doing was not firing off correctly and it was causing some commissions to be skewed. And you would not believe the agents I talked to. And I'm not if I know a lot of you guys are listening to this, I'm not trying to like put you down or anything, but you don't believe the agents I talked to that are reconciling commissions on a spreadsheet. And these are good agencies. So I'm thinking if they're doing it, certainly the mom and pops are doing it as well. Do you think that's contributing to this problem of the supply?
2: So here's the thing that I would say about supply. Number one, people do things when there's pain right? Like mm-hmm. action requires pain of some sort. People stay in an agency because it's all they've ever known. They don't want to change. They don't know what they're going to do next. I mean, honestly, my job, I spend a lot of time talking about what are you going to do after this? And it's terrifying conversation for so many agency owners. Number two, its it provides an incredible lifestyle. I mean, listen, that's a fact. With 80 to 90% retention, you can stay in this job. And maybe you're not growing and maybe you're not lighting the world on fire, but it is an incredible income stream connection to people, connection to your community that people just don't want to leave. I would also tell you, there are many, many agency owners that would never pers- profess to be financial experts. They are coverage and solution experts for you're on their a
1: podcast with two of them.
2: I know. So I mean. So yes they don't have neat and tidy financials and and they don't even nobody teaches an agency owner what they need. I mean hopefully I can fill that space at some point because I'm the worst coverage person you ever will meet. That's not what I bring to the table, but yes, there are plenty of agency owners that it's scary to say I'm going to give you all my stuff and I'm going to have you evaluate me based on this. They would much rather be evaluated on the relationships they have, the impact they've made on their clients. And honestly, it's what I love and respect about this industry because that is incredible. So I think there's a lot of things impacting the supply, Um, but the biggest is it's tough to leave when it's been your entire livelihood. It truly is.
1: Well, and what you get a lot too, and we deal with this with my marketing company. So we had a client that we brought on and we're doing all of his social media right? And he's done it forever. He already has a really good brand. We have two kinds of people we work with, people that have no brand and people that have a brand. And I like working with both, but the people that have a brand uh, have their own set of unique challenges. And so like, we're getting them to turn over their social media accounts. And this one guy was paying us a a decent amount of money. It was like three weeks and we hadn't got credentials to the the Instagram and the LinkedIn, the Facebook and, and his website because we're doing blogs. And he's like, I don't, I don't want to give it. I, I, it's really hard for me to like, turn this over. I've been the only person with my hands on the steering wheel. Mm -hmm. And I think about that too, with agency owners, I've spoke with an agency and this happens a lot. You speak with an agency owner who's interested in selling. And I'm like, and I have like five or six things, all of which Carrie told me to ask for five or six things that I asked for. And all of a sudden you go from conversation 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 to they ghost you for three weeks and it's that it's like you're asking someone to hand you not even their baby like their heart and pull the hood up and let's see all the the demons and dragons and stuff so you get that a lot a lot it is
2: and it takes it takes a lot to trust somebody to put that in their hands and Mm -hmm. then have them you know in my situation I then tell them what it's worth which is you know, you have to do that with a great deal of compassion because many people believe their agency is worth what they know someone else's agency they told them was worth. And, you know, that circumstances are so different. You know, I do my best to do that in a way that is the most constructive and, you know, the most compassionate way possible because it's, it's difficult to trust somebody to do that.
1: that is the equivalent guys. If you're one of those people and you're listening to this, that's the equivalent of that customer that you hate that comes in the office complaining about their $200 homeowner premium because their neighbor got 900, right? It's apples and oranges, right? The neighbor's pipes aren't busted. Yeah.
2: But the good news is, Bradley, I'm able to walk them through and show them why that
1: is. I'm sure you're really great at it. I would love to see Scott do it one time, though.
0: (laughs) I'll say two things to this, and then we're going to get to taking notes here in just a second. Number one, and I've, I've been saying this since the first day that we started this podcast, everybody's stuff, their stuff is worth more than everybody else's stuff, whether it's your car, whether it's your house, whether it's whatever it is we all yeah. have that feeling that oh well my stuff's worth more than your stuff you see you see it all the time it kind of goes back to what we were just talking about facebook right mm-hmm. yeah. the second thing i'll say about buying an agency is and i've talked about this a long time ago on the podcast is human beings by design psychologically attach themselves especially people who are successful To whatever that thing is, they are. Mm. And it's very difficult when you've been the insurance guy or girl in your community for the last 30 years Mm
2: -hmm.
0: to take that hat off and say, I'm not gonna be the insurance guy or girl anymore. And that's why a lot of insurance agents die on the 13th hole of a golf course. Mm. dropping dead from a heart attack at 68 years old with no succession plan because they just can't bear the thought of not being, you know, walking in the restaurant and being the insurance guy in their community.
1: Man, you, you just touched a nerve because, so I was in a a paint store the other day. I get into the most philosophical conversations (laughs) in the weirdest places that you could imagine. I was in this paint store And I ran into a guy, no, and I'm waiting one, you know, like you you buy your paint and they have to put it in the little thing or whatever to agitate it. And so I was waiting, I was talking to this guy that I sort of know. And we were just, we just got into this big philosophical discussion about how you should not let your, your business be the definition of you, be your Uh self-worth. It should be your faith or or what have you, because what happens is then when that is taken away from you, whether it's time to retire, or there's a recession, or whatever, you get into a weird spot, and I've certainly been guilty of that, and it's something I think a lot of agents need to think about, including me.
0: I think it goes all the way back to your childhood. My son is 15 years old, and he played on the ninth grade team for their Huntsville High's baseball team this year, this last year and. He'll be a sophomore here in a week or two uh, when he starts back to school. And I remember when he was chosen to be on the team, talking to my sister, and he she, we got into the kind of the same conversation philosophically about, well, it's good because now that's kind of his identity, and those are his friends, and those are the people he runs around with, and he runs he goes to school every morning with a Huntsville High baseball shirt on. Yeah. So it kind it kind of starts early. Mm -hmm. and then and then as you grow and then you get into college and you've got this certain group of friends and maybe you're playing junior college golf and so you're the golf guy and then you get into your career and now you're this guy and I just think human beings are kind of we're structured to be we put ourselves in that box to be the guy or girl of whatever we group that we're with and so it's it's hard it's hard to that's why a lot of people that buy agencies will tell you that sometimes and Carrie Carrie mentioned this just briefly, but sometimes it takes years to build that trust with an agency owner to finally mm-hmm. get them to a point where they trust you enough and you've built a relationship that's so strong that they do feel okay with you buying their agency and mm-hmm. it's the it's the exact reason Carrie I've never bought an agency because. I'm moving at such a high velocity. I, I don't have time to go over to some smaller agency's office with a seventy-year-old and sit there and drink coffee for two hours and talk about the weather and yeah, what the, you know to build that kind of relationship with them. I, I just I'm I'm moving too fast to do that, uh, and and I really believe that's probably why I've never bought an agency.
2: I will tell you both when it gets down to it, agency owners care about. Are their clients going to be taken care of? Is their staff going to be taken care of? And is their reputation or legacy going to continue the way they've built it? Yeah. Money is not in the top. For about 95% of the agencies that I talk to, they don't lead with get me the highest dollar. They say, "Take I want to find someone who's going to take care of my clients, take care of my staff. If their staff isn't transitioning with them. Like some, their entire staff's retiring. So, you know, but again, it's about people. It's about relationships. The money is part of it and they want to be paid fairly, but not always is that the number. It, it's very rarely in my situation and the agencies that I engage with, it's rarely the number one conversation. It truly is. So. Hey,
0: Ke- hey, Carrie, I was talking to a really good friend of mine the other night after hours, it's like seven o'clock. We, we talked for about an hour and he and his business partners just sold their agency to one of the, the monsters, the, you know,
1: alphabets, the,
0: yeah, the, the big, the big boys, right. They just, they just sold. And I asked him a question that parallels what we're talking about right now that I had never asked him before. And I'm going to share it on the podcast. I said, hey, just out of curiosity, these, these alphabet agencies that Bradley just mentioned, how much revenue, annual revenue, does your agency need to be bringing in for an alphabet agency to get real right with Lord on wanting to buy you? At what point would an alphabet agency that's got more money than since put you on their radar, right? Like, Oh yeah, we're, we're interested. We want to talk. And the number he threw out was 3 million in revenue. Is
1: so, that?
2: I would tell you the alphabet soups or the private equity. Isn't a one size fits all. It isn't a, everybody has to be in this box. It's evolving. You, you mentioned the increase in uh, deals, and MA activity over the past two years or over the past year. You would also know if you knew who the major buyers are, there are new people to the table that are now one, two, and three in the buyers that are happening. I would also tell you, it used to be they want to buy your agency. You come under their umbrella. They make you use their systems, their processes. It's literally more of the same. There are some that say, nope, You come under our umbrella and you operate like you have been. You stay in place. You actually home those relationships. So I would agree with you. Their volume is part of the process in order to have private equity interested in you. But some private equity by regional agencies that then do tuck-ins and they finance that in order to continue to have premium be funneled into that that network of agencies or that entity. So I I would be careful with that because there are places where it's attractive to buy into because of the niche that's there or the markets that's there. And then they dip down even further than that $3 million mark. So if you were, you know, gun to my head, I would tell you premium and a fair amount of volume is what you need in order to be attractive but never say never. There are plenty of attractive agencies that bring all kinds of things to a private equity buyer. And they're all looking for something different. You know, some want the ones that wanna walk away and just give me your premium and we'll take it from here. Some are looking for, you have 20 plus more years, operate under our umbrella, grow like you're growing, have this growth mindset. You know what I'm saying? So it's a, there's something for everyone is my point.
1: I'm going to tell a quick Scott Howell story and he probably Uh-oh. doesn't even remember this.
0: I don't even remember what I had for lunch and, yesterday. So.
1: And then we can get into some nuts and bolts, but yeah, this was early podcast. It was maybe like a year in. So it's 2018, 2019. And I'm on the phone with Scott and he, uh, I was like, well, what, are you, so what are you, what are you, what you doing? You know? And he's like, well, I'm, I'm on my way to meet with these guys that want to talk to me about buying my agency and rolling it up into theirs and having me work for them. And I'm going to get thirty seconds into the door and they're going to change their mind on that. <laughs> you remember that?
0: Yeah, I do. Yeah, uh, we had we had a group of my agency and two others that were talking about. It's so funny because one of those guys sold out to uh, an Alphabet agency, and the other one is still in business. And I think they're Still rocking on, you know, just kind of carrying on with the plan and of the I don't,
1: day, I'm not saying you were selling. I think a lot of agencies take that call. Yeah. They, they, they take that meeting, just, just hear what they have to say. And, and to be honest, I would take it too, just to learn the questions they're asking me. So then I can turn around and ask it to people that I want to acquire.
0: I, I will say of the four or five people that I've talked to, I've gotten one common denominator. And these are people that have sold and partnered with an alphabet agency where, you know, you take some of your chips off the table in the form of cash. Mm -hmm. Carrie, you talked about that on our last podcast with you. And then there's some stock option and then there's there's an there's a finish line and that finish line could be three years. It could be five years. But based on growth and retention, you get that final payout. Right. And so. So I ask all of these guys, I'm like, you know, the honeymoon phase is over. You know, you the first month or two, everything's just, you know, oh, this is the greatest thing ever, and blah, blah, blah and I made so much money and blah, blah, blah. And I will talk to them and they'll I, I ask them all the same question. I said, Well, so where's the warts? What's the downside? Because they all they all want to tell you the great stuff, right? Mm. And they're like, uh they all have the exact same answer. I've heard it four or five times. And the answer is speed, because when you go from owning your own agency to partnering with an Alphabet agency and falling under their umbrella, you know, if Bradley and I want to hire somebody today, we could have somebody hired by five Mm o'clock, right? Well, when you fall under the umbrella of a Marsh or a Hub, or I could keep going with these names, well, then... The Hiring process changes and they've got to go through the hub the the hub international uh human resource and now there's more paperwork and what would have taken three, four days, a week, two weeks to hire somebody might take a month. Mm-hmm. And I and that's just one example, but this you you lose the speed of hey Bradley and I own the agency. If we want to do something, we just damn do it. Yep. You would see- you agree?
2: You lose control, you lose speed, you lose freedom. I mean, here's the deal. These are all entrepreneurs that now have never answered to anyone for anything other than their family, their staff, their clients. Like, I that's the wrong way to say that. But they are in control of how they build their business and what they do. And now there's someone else in that equation. Correct. Now, how much that is, is completely it depends on the the arrangement that you have but it definitely changes the pace it changes the decision making it changes the mm-hmm. it just changes the dynamic.
1: Right. And there there honestly at this point in my career personally there's not enough money to get me to work for somebody for 2 years. It's yeah. just not I'm I, I, it just sounds awful. Yeah. I could see 50-year-old Bradley maybe doing that. But right now I mean the reason I started this was to to lose the control to get rid of the control. I turned mm-hmm. down yeah. investor money because I didn't want their you know down to on a granular level of having to explain why I took this meeting over this meeting or why I went to this conference over staying in and doing this D- down to that. I didn't, the first time I got one of those questions, I would be so done and I'd be like, let me write you a check back.
0: Yeah, <laughs> no, I get it. Now I will say on the flip side to that, from a positive standpoint that I've heard over and over again is the resources that you have at your disposal.
2: Are incredible, correct.
0: And In beyond incredible, like you can do anything. You wanna ride, uh, uh, that doesn't matter. I mean, they've got whole teams of people that do nothing but yep. present to Southern Railways why they need to put all their business with you. And you, and and the, the horsepower you have behind you is just, it's just incredible, like you said, Carrie.
2: Yeah, so it's not a, you know, listen, there's a place for everything in this industry. That's what I love about this. Like there's all kinds of different places, but I think unfortunately some people have in their mind, it's A or B and what's the reality is like A, B, C, D, E, F, G are the things that are here. Like there's all kinds of different options and situations and partnerships and, you know, mechanisms to do these things. For me, I just want agency owners to be prepared to right. actually be, you know, informed and then make the best decision for themselves, whether they're buying or selling.
1: Right. So, so, so transitioning. Yes. What are some benchmarks? That, that's what this is about. Let's, let's talk about what are some benchmarks and some things that agencies need to be looking at today regardless of if they're going to sell or not. And I'm going through all this now with Carrie, I have no intention of selling. In fact, it's the opposite. And it's still important to do this. So talk a little bit about that. I mean, I think a lot of agency owners are producers who are really good at selling and don't like being told what to do. So they go start an agency and they're like, if I just sell, everything will take care of itself. And that kind of works for about a year and a half. And now we've got to run a business. And when you're running a business, you have to worry about things like this.
0: Carrie, let me add to that. So the question that Bradley and I had before we started this podcast, guys, get your notebook and pen out. It's time to take notes. What percentage of revenue should you spend on things, right? Mm -hmm. Now, the first thing that's going to jump off of P&L is going to be payroll. Every time. Every time. Right. Let's start with a start right there.
2: Yeah, let's talk about this. And I think I said it earlier, there never is like no one gives you a rule book and says, when you start this business, this is how you should allocate, this is what you should invest in and this is when you should invest in it. But the reality is based on your size, you're only able to do certain things until you are able to grow and add people. So I'm gonna give ranges for some of these things because again, the kind of agency you are, the whether your personal lines, commercial lines will impact some of these things, the region of the country that you're in will impact it. So in general, agencies should be spending or allocating their resources to payroll and benefits. And that should be somewhere between 47 and 63% of your revenue should be going towards people, the people who actually do the work, right? It will always be your largest investment. With one disclaimer, I will say that there is a trend in our industry where people are utilizing virtual assistants. They are thinking about the work that's being done in their agency and they're utilizing lower cost but highly effective resources to minimize the cost of salaries and minimize the cost of licensed people inside their agency. Some VAs can be licensed, so don't quote me. But my point is there's a connection between how much you spend in payroll and benefits and how much you spend in outside services. So in any agency, if you're growing and you're investing and you're able to be profitable, these benchmarks are a rule of thumb. So an an agency that's growing and wants to be profitable should stay in the range of anywhere from 47 to 63 percent. But If you're also using VAs, it'll be far lower than that. My point is you got to think about the holistic view, not just one benchmark. I never look at one benchmark and correct that. I have to understand their whole business and then think about where these uh, where this allocation works throughout their agency, if that makes sense.
0: So for all the agents listening to this right now, because there are a lot of agents out there that are like Scott and have the brain of a small squirrel. Okay. I'm being serious. Debt, debt, debt is a heart attack. I want to make sure they understand exactly what you mean. At the end of the year, you yep. have commissions, bonuses, those things that have come in relative to revenue. Yep. That is called gross revenue before taxes. Yes. So if you take that number, let, let's say it's $1.2 million in gross revenue before anything's paid out, before any taxes or anything is done. And then you divide that number by what you've paid your people and yourself, uh, which will be on your P&L. Is it, it's on the P&L, not the balance It is on got. the profit
2: and loss statement, correct.
0: You divide that gross revenue number by the, what you've paid your people and any benefits relative to health care or whatever it might be. Yep. Add that in with the the actual payroll amount. That's going to get you this percentage, correct?
2: That's correct. So payroll itself, we're just talking people's salaries. Question. Does
1: that include owner's pay?
2: Yes. Oh, great question, Bradley. I love that you asked me this question. Yes. So when you're talking about an agency, owners pay themselves in all different ways. They pay themselves typically a small salary, and then there's a distribution. And that is a tax strategy, not necessarily what we're talking about here, okay?
1: Scott and I pay ourselves in Kohl's bucks. Yeah.
2: Perfect. I love Kohl's that. Cash, yeah. Those
0: are that, that, fantastic. But, I love hey, that. That's, exa- that's exactly what I do. So <laughs> per my accountant, I'm set up as an S-corp, Yep. pay myself $50,000 salary per year, okay? Yep. Mm-hmm. And then, as needed, I take out distributions. It's usually bi weekly.
2: So, here's the thing when you do that, Scott, yeah. and you have fluctuations in your agency, you have to right size that to make sure that you are allocating appropriately. So, again, I'm talking about what does the total picture look like at the end of the year? Because we want to have profitability in your agency. I'm not suggesting you pay top sa- taxes. But you want to know what your true profitability is in your agency, especially if you're looking to buy or sell. Because if you're going to get a loan to buy, they're going to want to know what profitability your agency is creating combined with the potential profitability of the agency that you're purchasing in order to know how to lend that money to you.
0: Hey, Hey, Carrie, you know what else helps tremendously in this whole equation? Is when your people don't steal the commission money.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I somehow knew that was going to come up. I would agree. Like your, your numbers have to be correct. So, but I guess the headline here is, if you think about this, half your money is going towards people. And then you have to think, how am I going to allocate my resources throughout my business in order to, again, grow, operate profitably, have the right structure in place So the next section that you should think about is your selling expenses. They may not be the most you spend on, but selling expenses include travel, automobile, and marketing. So the key here is you've got to actually allocate these resources together in one category so you can compare to the benchmarks to know how you are allocating and how it compares. If you have it all over the place, and have, let's say, your website in technology instead of marketing, you're not going to be able to compare apples to apples with what's happening inside your agency compared to these benchmarks, and you won't know what that guide is and how that how that works. So, Bradley, you and I have done some work to get things allocated in the right categories, so you can see how am I comparing to these industry benchmarks. And then we can decide you might be blowing some of these out of the water. But if you're growing and you're deciding to invest, there, are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Without that, it's really hard to know and do a comparison. So you got to get your allocation of your resources in the right categories in order to be able to compare to the benchmarks.
1: And so one area that I was really good at was payroll. My payroll was right in line with where it needed to be. And I I pay myself peanuts. So that obviously contributes to that one area to segue that I was not very good in that I was way higher than everybody else was the technology category. That's the surprise of the year to all the listeners. Where should people be in the technology slash marketing realm?
2: So. And I'm going to say this with a grain of salt, because again, if you're growing double digits and you're outside this benchmark, we're going to have to look at it compared to everything. But as a rule of thumb, technology is typically right around 2.8% of total revenue goes towards your technology, your AMS, other technology you're utilizing. Uh, It does not include your telephone. Like if I'm talking about truly technology, if you're using a radar, if you're using all kinds of systems in place in order to create efficiency inside your agency. When I said this number to a couple agents that we are all friends with, they about choked yeah. because again, that seems really, really low for someone mm-hmm. who is investing in scale and growth. And it seems really, really high for someone that we talked about earlier that really, this is a lifestyle agency and I'm just, um, I'm sitting on a book of business. And I I say that lovingly, but Mm -hmm. that's a vastly different organization. These are averages. We we need
1: you to talk to some of these management system companies need to lower some of their fees. They need to take that into account because I would agree. I don't know how you run an agency of my size and get on and apply it or something like that. That's charging you five grand a month. You 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 can't, you can't, Yeah. So again, it really
2: depends on your size, where these allocations come from. So that's why when an agency comes to me, it's not like I can just take these, apply the numbers and call it a day. You got to get to know who they are, what they're doing, what are they trying to do? And then like we did, we found some opportunities to shift some things around and and really think about, okay, how do we project out what Mm -hmm. we will allocate when we're getting there or what we how we want to position Um, That's really where someone who is not mired in coverage, but understands the financial aspect can actually help guide some of this uh, decision making when it comes to your business and how
1: to allocate. And the reason you and and some of you guys may be listening, thinking, "Why? what, what benefit does it give me to move something from one category to the other? It affects your EBITDA. It does.
2: Yeah, it affects your profitability. It affects your ability to hire. I mean, honestly, we did a lot of this work to say, do I have the capacity to hire someone? And if I do, um, what are their goals need to be in order to make sure that I can actually support that for a period of time or rent like facilities, uh, occupancy expense? That's changed greatly over the last two years for some people that are now supporting remote work. Um, For some agencies, they're doubling down and they have more locations, but that decision inhibits them or provides the opportunity to invest in other places. So it all is this puzzle that allows you the freedom to decide what you want to invest in and what outcomes you're trying to get inside your agency. And there's not a one size fits all. I will tell you that Uh, without question, not a one size fits all problem is, I think when you don't have a guide or don't have any benchmarks, it is sometimes can feel like, you know, trying to figure out in the dark where you are. This right. this allows you to have some rails to say okay I'm at least in the right vicinity and I should think about this differently. And it al- it also makes people examine what's in those categories that they've been doing for forever that maybe they're not realizing and questioning is it doing something for my business? Is right. it something I should continue? And that's a that's a healthy conversation to have. That's what looking at these benchmarks allows you to
0: do. Okay. Yep. We, if we carve out just marketing and advertising, Yep. What, where are we at with that in terms of percentage of gross revenue?
2: Yeah. Selling expenses. I don't know that I have marketing on this thing, but selling expenses in general are right around anywhere from 2.6 to 4.2% of every, and that includes autos, travel, and marketing. Again, somewhat, I mean, I hate to use people's names, but I think Chris Paradiso would spit out his drink if I told him his marketing budget was only 4.2% of his revenue, but he runs a different organization. So again, based on your size, based on the structure of what you're doing, that number will be very different. So for the average agency, and it's important for me to say this, the average agency is 1.2 million and below or in revenue. They have somewhere between 7 and 11 employees. Um, some actually eighty percent are probably less than a million in revenue. So those are the people I'm talking to. the the big agencies, you got to think about that differently because now you've got resources and able to have different structures in place. So you know that's the segment of our market that I thought was super underserved, and those are the ones that I want to help give some bench you know some guide rails to so they can start thinking about this differently.
1: Gotcha. And it's one of those things too like you said, as long as you know, it's okay to spend, yep you, you may disagree with this. It's okay to spend 20% on marketing as long as you're getting the results that mirror that 20% on marketing and you yep. understand that. I a hundred percent agree with that
2: because it, it, it might fit in your puzzle beautifully, but if you are declining in growth, investing, you know, triple the benchmark in technology, triple the benchmark in marketing and have no profitability, we have a problem. You've got to have the performance Mm -hmm. to go with the investment. And that's where it's not this, I can't just throw a number out and say 4.2% of your revenue goes to marketing without question all the time. Absolutely not. It has to be in conjunction with how's your agency performing and what are you trying to do, right?
1: Well, it's it's like somebody, I was having a conversation with someone one time, I was running a bunch of Facebook ads and they were telling me like, oh my gosh, you're spending way too much on Facebook ads. I think it was like two to three grand a month. And, but I was turning an ROI, positive ROI on those ads. And I'm like, well, if I'm putting a dollar in and I'm getting a dollar and 10 cent out or more, why would I not put all my money towards that? If well, the it's working,
2: we're measuring it. Exactly. So a lot of agency owners start things a lot of business owners, I shouldn't even say agency owners in that case, a lot of business owners make decisions and have no way of measuring whether or not that out that investment is giving you an outcome. When that happens, you never stop because you don't ever know when to start or stop mm-hmm. an investment. So the beauty of this is, if you're able to measure it, oh my goodness, now you know the decision is actually pretty black and white on whether or not you continue to invest in something. But the measurement is very difficult for a lot of people. They go and they learn about a new technology or a new marketing strategy or whatever it is, and they may or may not implement it well, and they don't know how to measure it. And therefore, they don't. it's almost like now I don't know what to do because I'm not sure if I stop it. What's going to happen? I'm not sure if I start. Like, it's really difficult to make decisions.
1: Mm-hmm. What do you think? This was my question from earlier. What do you think? You talk to a lot of agency owners who are trying to sell. Yep. A lot of people go into deals having a number in their head or a multiple yep. in their head. Yep. And like any negotiation, they probably never get exactly what they want. I'm sure if, if they work with you, they, they probably do. But <laughs> What do you think is like the number? What what's the number one commonality that you see among agency owners who don't get what they want or end up not selling because of X, Y, Z? What do you think it is?
2: They waited too long. When an agency owner does not get what they want, they waited way too long, and they're not being honest with themselves that their business is declining. Um, they lost something key: a key employee, um, a key carrier, and They've had in their mind that it was this number, but and it was probably that number, it really was. But they've gone past, uh, you know, there's this crest where everything is as valuable as it's ever going to be, and then it starts to decline. They don't have the energy, they don't have the time. It just is past its prime, and therefore mm-hmm. they still want their prime. And so then you get I to think- a
1: point where you're 78 years old and you have to sell it, and yeah. the other party knows that. Yeah, exactly. They know that.
2: Yeah. So I think, you know, sometimes there's a lot of, I compare to other things that are not even remotely like me, but they seem like me. They're an independent agent. They sell insurance. They do this. They do that. Therefore, I must be worth the exact same. And that's not always true. But time is not friendly to those that um, wasted away. And I think that's Mm. the common denominator. I think you know, knowing when the right time is and positioning yourself well. If you wait too long, you can't position your agency. You can't actually look at these benchmarks and decide, I'm going to tighten these things up and show that my agency can operate profitably. It can grow and actually be done in a way that someone can say, hey, listen, this is something I want to invest in. If you wait too long, you never can demonstrate that.
1: I just wrote that quote down. I'm going to use that quote. (laughs)
0: Hey, hey, Carrie, do you have a list with you right now that we could do a lightning round where you just kind of roll through and go, Okay, this needs to be this much of your gross revenue, you know, that kind of thing?
2: Yeah. So I'm going to give you the big categories. You ready? Please. So just payroll. And I'm talking just people's compensation anywhere from 41 to 55 percent. When you add in taxes, benefits, all of that. Um, the taxes and benefits are anywhere from 6.5% to 10% of revenue. That leaves uh, payroll and benefits anywhere from 47 to 63%. We're going to go to selling expenses. That includes auto, travel, marketing. That's anywhere from 2.5% to 4.5%. Technology, anywhere from 22 to 35 Rent and facilities, that includes everything it takes to maintain the buildings that you occupy.
0: Wait, what is this one?
2: Rent and facilities. I call it occupancy expense. This is part of your operating expenses. It's anywhere from 3.5% to 5%. There's an asterisk next to this one. Where you are located in the country matters. It is not the same across the board. If you're in California or Mississippi, very different numbers. So these are benchmarks and guides, okay?
1: For example, um, what's going on in Florida right now is not exactly is not a great contributing factor to increase agency values.
2: Exactly.
1: No offense to my Florida people.
2: Yeah, so something like office expense. I, I mean, these are little guys now. Then I can break it all the way down to what your technology looks like, your telephones, supplies and printing, all these things like insurance should make up anywhere from one and a half to 2.2%, depending on your size. You know, nobody really thinks about that. And I mean, your business insurance, not your benefits, your business insurance. And then here's an indicator that I can tell you an agency that invests in education and training almost always is growing faster than an agency that does not. It is kind of interesting when you see how you're investing I'll tell you, there's an indicator in technology. There's typically an an indicator in investing in education and training. Certainly some some things with marketing, but that's really gray because people put a whole bunch of things in marketing that aren't necessarily marketing. So pulling that apart is really sometimes a little tricky. But if if an agency is doubling down in technology, I guarantee, and they're doing it well, it's double-digit growth. It's it's pretty interesting. And if it's not, we got to find out why. Either they're investing in
1: technology. Are you talking about just just spending a lot in technology? Are you talking about building technology? Because there's some people probably wondering that.
2: Not building technology. I mean, investing in those things that allow them to be predictive, allow them to be um, well positioned to have marketing campaigns that are that are literally informed by data those technology investments really pay off in spades. CRMs, then,
1: raters. Yeah. Marketing, that's okay. Gotcha.
2: And so professional fees and outside services for the average agency, not someone investing in VAs, that's about one and a half percent of revenue. That would be for your legal fees, your accounting fees, um, some things that you are you go outside your agency for. It's not people inside your agency doing that; those resources. But I've seen that anywhere... Uh, upwards of 5% um, allocation for agencies that are using vAs but their payroll and salary um, shows a different number as well hopefully that's helpful scott
0: cool i think everybody listening to this podcast probably needs to 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 get a handle on their PL and then back into these numbers i, I don't it's not hard to do but it's just going to take a little bit of time right
2: well I think it allows you to take an, take an approach that's a little different. It's different than just signing a check. You actually step back and say, "Wait a minute. you know my people are super important to me, and I know in order to do that and serve them well, what resources do I need in order to help my agency sell more insurance, do it the right way, serve our clients the best way. And when you use that as the litmus test on things you're investing in, sometimes it's really obvious the things that maybe you shouldn't be investing in anymore. We didn't talk about this, but you'll always find discretionary expenses that are going through an agency that can be reallocated to help you achieve what you're trying to do, which is do it profitably and set everybody up for success, right? But again, if you do it the right way, it's not a judgment, it's just opportunity,
0: I got one final question for you, and then I'll I'll open the floor up to Bradley. And this is something that uh, I've been thinking a lot about lately. So let's say you've got an agency like mine, and in the bank right now today, in my operating account, and and I'm set up, you know, like everybody else listening to this, probably with the exception of Bradley. I've got I've got one operating account, and I've got one sweep account, one trust account. You know, commissions come in, they go into operating account. Customer's money comes in, that goes into the sweep account.
1: Don't forget Amy's account.
0: And then Amy's got into her separate account <laughs> where she steals half the commissions that come in. But, <laughs> Sorry. but Let's say that an agency like mine has half a million dollars in the bank in their operating account. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a lot of money to me. I mean, to some people, that's chump change, but half a million dollars sitting in their operating account. Okay. Okay. Should these agents be taking some or a percentage, large percentage of that money that's just sitting in that operating account getting, you know, 1%, not, well, not even 1% because it's just sitting in a checking, you know, business checking account, really, should they be investing, putting that money somewhere else that would, especially now that interest rates are going up, that would provide some level of interest on that money, but they could also, you know, pull in case of fire kind of thing, get that money out if they needed to, you know, not locking it into something that you can't, you're no longer liquid. Yep. What's your advice there on something like that?
2: So my advice would be know what you're trying to accomplish and what you need to accomplish it and then decide from there. So, always, if you've got resources that are not working for you, they should be working for you. What investment you go in will be determined on what access you need under what timeframes in order to get what you're going. So if you're an agency that's looking to acquire over the next three years, you're probably stockpiling cash and you can invest it, but you want it to be liquid enough. So you have it to make a down payment when you want to make a decision. Conversely, you might be an agency that's upside down. You might've just done an acquisition. So your assets and your liabilities are out of whack for a moment. You're going to be doing something different than an agency who's actually preparing. So my answer would be take the time to actually look out and say, what do I need? We all know that you can get bridge loans if for occasional expense and in income changes inside your agency. But you know, I would always put my assets to work for myself, no matter, that's a personal business, whatever, it just sitting in a interest, no interest bank account is doing zero for you. So you definitely need to take a pretty holistic look there and say, what are my needs and how can I get it working for me?
0: Right. That's something I've been thinking a lot about lately relative to my agency is, uh, you know, uh, that operating account money just sitting there, You know, it's great to look at the bank, go to the online banking once a week and see so much money in there, but
2: not working for you, right?
0: It's not doing anything. It's just sitting in that account. And, but then the flip side of that is you think to yourself, well, my God, what if something happened and I invested this somewhere and I couldn't just, you know, quickly within a day or two, pull that money out and use it. You know, you don't want to do that either.
2: Yeah. But a great financial advisor can show you how you can. Like, you know, at a very right. low amount. Like, so you've got to, again, knowing what your needs are will help inform what you're able to do and put
1: right.
0: that. Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: So, Carrie, we talked about PLs and balance sheets and operating account and percentages in each category. Mm-hmm. How should agents track this? Great what question. system programs? And and, and and after you answer, I can kind of go through what we're doing that's a little bit different. How should agents track it?
0: I can tell you how to track it. Hire your cousin Ricky to handle all your money, and he'll exactly take care right. of that for you. Exactly right. We'll track it for
2: you. So you need to actually use a financial system. If it's attached to your AMS, fantastic. You need to have it organized in the way that you can actually use these benchmarks. So you've got to have, adopt a chart of accounts that follows the trend so you can start using this resource. And then you have to have a budget to actual. It's really difficult to know where you are unless you actually say, here's where I want to be, and here's where I'm tracking where I am. And that should be, in my mind, and remember, I'm a financial person, so I would look at that monthly, and I would act quarterly. I would I would pay attention to where I think I should be in some of these things, and I would be able to make adjustments if my performance and my allocation are off. A monthly look for sure for the story behind the numbers. And the only way to do that is from a budget to actual, you have to know what you expect to be there in order to know if you're inside the expectation or not. So lots of different financial systems, but the more connected you can be to your AMS, the absolute better simply because you don't want those two systems to not be talking to each other.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so we just connected now certs which is my AMS to QuickBooks they have a direct integration and Peter at now certs is like a he, he's an accounting guy and he he I think he personally built the QuickBooks integration so if something happens in my AMS whether it's a commission that's generated on a direct bill account an invoice that's created on a agency bill an invoice that's paid a, a, a payable that's that's create whatever it reflects it in QuickBooks, so I can pull up line item, direct bill commission, agency bill commission, fees. Uh, I don't know what the exact terminology is, but but premium that's paid out to the carriers, it's broken down in there. And then we also have the journal entries as well, and all this happens automatically. We have the journal entries that correlate to the individual client, so we can look at a charge or a commission and know exactly which account that is attached to or associated with. So there's no question.
0: Brother, are you humble bragging
1: right now? I'm not. No, I didn't do I didn't do any of this crap. I didn't do any of it. Uh my my bookkeeper set it all up with Peter. I'm not bragging at all because my books were not together before we did that.
0: Hey Kerry, I've got a question for you that I think every agent listening to this wants to hear. Cuz because I, again, I'm just like they are. So my sweep account, my trust account mm-hmm. that uh, clients commissions come into is connected to my AMS. All the stuff Bradley just mentioned. You know, we we yep. we've got all that. We you know, invoice, customer payments received. If it's an agency bill account, and we have to write a check, or sometimes even on direct bill, we'll have customers that'll write a check to I Protect Insurance for three policies on th- from three different carriers. Well, that's all got to get reconciled at the end of the month, right? Yeah. Absolutely. My question is, I do not have my operating account, which as Bradley said one time, that's our money. That's the commissions and the bonuses and things that we're paid. I don't have that connected to my AMS. It is a separate set of QuickBooks online that I have a, another bookkeeper, not Amy, dealing with those books and keeping up with that chart of accounts. Is that the right way to do that or do I need to do this some other way? So
2: let me think about this for a second. You pay all of your bills out in in your operating account, correct? You pay your people in your operating accounts. Correct. So how are you connecting commission accounts like commission due to your um, to your staff with the account that it's coming out of? You know what I'm saying? Like I think it's more important that your trust account is attached because there are direct yeah. um, direct deposits from payments for agency bill, for direct bill, whatever that is, that it goes there and it gets reconciled and it only moves to your operating account when it is your money.
0: Correct. So and, and, so, and so because of the way we're doing this, and, and by the way, guys, she just cracked the code on the entire Amy stealing $104,000 she just said exactly what happened is we were not monthly at the end of each month reconciling correctly the sweep account, the trust account that's attached to our AMS and pulling out all the retained commissions that were sitting in there and yep. putting them into the operating account. Okay. And so she just basically said exactly how Amy pulled that off. You, you don't know you did that, but you just did that.
2: Yeah, If you're not looking at it, Scott, it's really hard to know. And, and a gut check isn't enough. You have right. to reconcile because there are going to be returns put in there. there are going to be there's transactions occurring. So regular review. But your original question was, does my operating account need to be attached to my AMS? And my answer would be not necessarily. There could be duplicative entries that are required. It's really important to be able to have a connection when money is is collected and it goes into your trust account to be handled appropriately. What I will tell you is don't ever have those two things commingled. Um, You will have a really hard time reconciling, number one. And number two, it is not the best situation if you ever want to transition ownership and someone wants to get clear if you are in trust. If you're ever audited, they're now going to have to look at two accounts or multiple accounts. Like It creates a nightmare if you're co-mingling. No one should be doing that. Whether it's required in your state or not, it's good business practice to keep that separate.
0: So to answer your question is exactly what I just said earlier. And you're exactly right. So now what we do is at the end of every month when we reconcile that sweep account because we're doing it correctly now throughout the month. It first of all, it's a lot easier to it's a lot easier to reconcile your sweep account bank statement that you could pull offline when the person doing the reconciling is not stealing the money and creating fake invoices. Agreed. That's so much easier.
1: And you want to make it crystal clear that there's no commingling with the sweep sweep account and the operating account. Have them at different banks. Yeah, there you go. I know a lot of agents that do that. That's smart. Mm -hmm. So
2: I would also add this, that I think is important. And I again, I get to see a lot of financials. Use an accountant if you're going to outsource your accounting. Make sure they understand the nature of an independent insurance agency. Listen, we're inside this. Industry, So we know the ins and outs, but an, an accountant that is doing books for multiple different organizations will not understand the difference between premium dollars and commission dollars. They will not understand some of these nuances and it can get you in trouble. And you think you're exporting, you know, you're sending this to an expert to do it, but they're not an expert in your industry. So please, please, please ask the question. And do you understand my business? Because it's, um, it could be a really sad and unfortunate problem. If someone doesn't understand that.
1: I'll give you a better question. Cause I think if you ask them that, they're going to tell you yes, regardless. Right. Tell me some agencies that you work with.
2: Let me talk to some of your agencies that you work with even better. Absolutely. Yeah. I would agree. But it's just, it's important. It is a unique business model. You know, banks don't understand it. Local banks don't understand it. There are some incredible banks in our industry that understand it beautifully, but yep. the average accountant doesn't understand it.
1: Well, we worked with, a, I worked with a CPA firm previously. That's a very, you know, Joan Smith Johnson and Associates, you know, super white collar. Yeah. Does the the books for the cream of the crop people here in Mobile, and they told me to put all everything going into the account, i.e., premiums for agent's bill accounts as sales of product income, and then everything that goes out as sales of product income, and what's left over is the commission. And that was literally the worst possible way I could do it. Ooh, yeah.
2: I just please don't make that mistake. I would yeah. be very careful with that.
1: Carrie, we got to
0: shut this thing down. I got to go to the lake.
2: I hope you have a great time with your friends, Scott.
1: Don't die or get drowned or anything like that. I really don't. The
2: world needs Scott Howe. So please take great care of yourself.
1: Bradley knows that that's always an option on the table.
0: So I appreciate (laughs) him looking out for me. Guys, I appreciate Carrie. I appreciate you being on here today as I end every podcast. Rewards come from action, not discussion. Get your ass out from behind that desk today. Go out into the big, bad world and sell insurance, and for the love of God, figure this out, and call Carrie Wallace. Carrie, how can they get in touch with you if they need to get in touch with you and talk about this? Because there's about 10,000 agents right now listening to this that need to have your services and, and, and learn and get better at what we just talked about, and I'm one of them.
2: So they can reach me. Uh, my website is uh, www.agency-focus.com. They can email me, Carrie, at agency focuscom They can find me on Twitter. They can find me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty much everywhere. You're so. probably
1: in their city today. <laughs> at a state Just go to a state association event and Carrie will be there. I promise you.
0: <laughs> yeah. Guys, go out there today. Make money for your family, for your wife, for your husband, for your kids' college fund. Go figure out what your why is. Go help your parents out there today that are struggling. They need. It. They need you. And they need you to step up and be that. Be that. Go buy uh, tickets random. to
1: the One City World Tour.
0: And go buy tickets to the One City World Tour. And come see us. Come see me. Come see Bradley. Let's have a drink together. Let's break bread and fellowship together. Go write good business for the companies that you represent. And go write good business for the agencies that you represent. Bradley Flowers, I love you.
1: Thanks, man. Thanks, Kerry.
0: Yep. Thanks,
2: Thank guys. You so-
0: Thank you, Carrie, and we'll, we'll be in touch real soon. Guys, you are listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. We love each and every one of you. Thank you so much for being a part of our family. We'll see you back here real soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at scott at iprotectinsurance.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to portalinsurance.com or email him at bradley at portalinsurance.com. Guys, we love you and thank you so much for listening to our show and being a part of our family. And we look forward to seeing you again next week on the next episode of the Insurance Guys Podcast. Take care.